Thank you for the worship, God. Man, what a time of worship, God. Thankful for the goodness of God. Lord, David said, I've, uh, I've longed and want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, we want your goodness. God, it's your goodness that moves us to repentance. God, oh, it's your kindness. It's your, it's your generosity. It's, your, it's, your, it's, it's how good you are, God, that just uh, overwhelms us, God, your love, Lord, to a people that don't deserve it, God. And Lord, we just thank you that you are that good of a God. And Lord, once that settles into us, God, it causes us to want to go tell the world, God, that, that we have a God that's like no other God. No other God. It's like no other God. It's like no other God. And Father, I've probably misrepresented you so often, sounding so hard and harsh at times, God. There is that side of you. God, but Lord, you so love, you so love the world. God, you, you so love the world that you gave your son. And so, Father, help us to represent you well. Help us to represent you correctly, God. Help us to know this God that we're praying to. And give us a desire to pray, God. Lord, give us a desire, God. I can't make one per- I can't make my own soul, Lord. Last week, I think I... At the very end, maybe it got a little bit in the flesh myself. God, I want to pray so bad. I want to I I pray, God, the way that you want us to pray. I want to pray as a church. And I get frustrated at my own ability to pray, God. Lord, and I, I, I want to be a people of prayer. And so, God, just only you can do that. Only you can cause that to happen in us, God. Lord, by your Spirit, come and just pour out your Spirit upon us. Pour out a Spirit of, of grace, God, to, to pray, God, to ask for the things that we need to ask for, God. To, to pray, Lord, for the, the nations and the, the situations around us and all the heavy things in life. God, just where do we even start? Help us to know what to pray for and how to pray and when to pray, God, and what that looks like. Just uh, God calls us to be a people of prayer. You said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, Lord. And God, we want to be a people of prayer, God. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, Lord, uh, put further condemnation or, 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 or scold anyone, God. I want, to, I want us to become a people. I don't want to scold myself any longer. I, want to, I just want to be a man of prayer. God, I want to be a man of prayer. That's what you put on my heart, God, for this year, is just to become a man of prayer because we need to be people of prayer, God. When we call on our God, he answers. He's a God who hears our prayer and answers. And sometimes my flesh doesn't believe that and lies and doesn't. And God, I know it to be the truth because your word says it. And you're not a man that can lie. So, Lord, convince us of this truth. Let it be so in us, God, that we believe it, we act upon it, we do it, God. And we see miraculous things in this last day. There's nothing our God cannot do. Nothing our God cannot do. And so, Lord, help us to believe that, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about focus prayer. And uh, I think at the end, I might should have... Rather than going into the other direction that I went, that wasn't a bad thing to do, but I believe we probably should have taken a time. I hope you did this week to focus your prayer at the throne. Um, Lisa came down and I heard her focusing 
prayer. You can have a prayer that's focused right to God. Amen? Amen. On certain things. There's a time, there's a type of prayer when like Peter was in prison and we're not praying for, uh, you know, steak and we're not praying for uh, Lord heal so and so in that moment. In that moment, their prayer was directly to the throne room of God for Peter. We got a guy that's, James is already dead, and man, we can't lose Peter also. And they went to the throne of God for Peter, and God said, we, we saw how miraculously there was a light that came into that place. There was chains coming off, miraculous things, supernatural angels showed up. Miraculous things happened when the people of God began to pray. And I'm telling you, when we focus in on our prayer at times that God wants us to focus on, He hears those prayers prayers and he goes to answer those prayers. So I hope you learn to practice that as a type of of praying. But I want to talk about today, is there a right way to pray? And we're going to go to the Bible to Luke. If you got your Bibles, turn to Luke uh, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And I want us to look at this. Jesus was busy. He was a busy man, but he was never too busy to pray. He was never too busy to pray and he was never too busy for people. And uh, those things, we have to fight to do both of those in our day and time. Never too busy to pray, never too busy for people. You see all the way through the Word of God, where uh, in Luke especially, you begin to just read through the Gospels, and you'll see in chapter 3, he's praying at the baptism. You see in cha- he's praying in chapter 5 in the wilderness for 40 days. You see he's praying up on a mountain in another place in Luke. You see where he's alone praying at another place. And then you come to chapter 9, and he's praying at the transfiguration and then we come to chapter 11 and there's something really really interesting here and it starts out with Luke 11 1 and look what it says one day Jesus was praying that's what Jesus did a lot one day Jesus was praying that's how this starts out in Luke one day Jesus was praying in a certain place And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. So we don't see like... Uh, anywhere in Scripture where where John uh, his taught his disciples, we don't see anything in the Word of God where it tells us John the Baptist's disciples taught uh, were taught how to pray. So we don't know what that looked like or how that looked, but we can allude to the fact that he must have done that because his disciples they see him praying one day, and all of a sudden they meet Jesus and they say, "Hey, Lord, we we see you praying, and we see all that you're doing, and now you're finished with that, Lord." Teach us to pray. And, he, and, and some think we call this prayer that he leads into the Lord's Prayer. That's the term we've given it. Everybody in here would know the Lord's Prayer. We said it a few weeks ago. And, and, and all kinds of thoughts on the Lord's Prayer, right? Some people think you better say it word for word and you better not deviate from it. But what's so funny about that is when you go to Matthew and read the Lord's Prayer, Cole, it's, it's written one way and it has so much of the Lord's Prayer. And then you go to Luke and it leaves certain things out and it's got another part. So which one do we do? And right before he does that in Matthew, he says something interesting. Don't just do rote prayers. So why do we then go, human nature, what do we do? Immediately he says, hey, don't use vain repetition. How should we pray? Here's how you ought to pray. And what do we do? We go make a lot of vain repetition, don't we? 
And I don't, so which one do we use? We use the Luke prayer or the Matthew if we're going to say it word for word for word. I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to allude to here. I think it's a principle of prayer that he's trying to show us in these passages of Scripture, kind of like we preached a few weeks ago, where you must have a prayer language. He's given us something to show us how we ought to pray. And so he begins right here, when you pray, look at what he says in, in verse 2. And he said unto them, they come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. As John's disciples teach them to pray. And look what he says. He said unto them, when you pray. And the first thing he says, Father. And what he's introduced, this was was like big time. Like for us, this is no big deal because we always say our Father. Okay? But for this generation and for at this time when Jesus steps on the scene and he uses the word Father right here because they knew they had heard the term father they knew about father as like the father of all creation the father of lights the father of this but when Jesus uses the term here he does something that is earth shattering it causes their mouths to drop wide open because he uses a term that is literally the term in Aramaic that is Abba It's what every child would have called their daddy. And what he is saying, here, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Here's how you start. Daddy. Yeah, let that sink in. The God of the universe. The God who Timothy says is in unapproachable light, Jacob. That means if I stood there in my flesh, I would look like Swiss cheese. That means I would be consumed in a moment's time. There are angels around his throne at his bidding. Not one or two. Millions upon billions of angels and seraphim and all kind of created beings that are around his throne, Aubrey. Day and night, they're all the time saying, holy, you are so holy. I can't even look upon you. And with two, they cover their face. And with two, they cover their feet. And they cover themselves all day long. He is so holy. He is so unapproachable. And yet Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Gabe, when you begin to pray, disciples, you pray like this, Father Abba. It's it's like earth shattering. He's talking about, he he uses the same, the Abba is the same English word translated daddy or dad. That, that, that's what it is. And this was so foreign to them in this day and time. He's introducing something that is unheard of. And it's called intimacy with God. That, that, that's what this is about. He's showing them what an intimate relationship with God is like. You, you do what I do. Here's what I do when I go to pray and I'm alone with him. I call him Abba. And now I want you to call him Abba. Have you ever gone and prayed that? No, no, really. Have you ever gone? I've done this before. And I remember the first time I did this, it almost sounded sacrilegious. No, it's one thing to say, our Father, which art in heaven. It's another thing, no, literally, try to go in your prayer closet tomorrow and say, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, it's Brad. 
It's Brad. I need you. Hey, Abba. It's like that baby in her arms right there. That, does your prayer life look like that? You're my dad. You're my Abba. Now, see, some of you don't have a good dad. So it's hard for you to picture that. But your heavenly father is good. And so Jesus introduces something about prayer right here that's unheard of in that day. He says, it's like the scripture that says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us, that we would be called the sons of God. The other place he says, He gave them right to become the children of God. Do you know what the cross did for you? Do you know what, when that veil was rent in twain, that a new relationship began with God that's like no other, that these Pharisees can't even fathom it when he says, you, you know, here's what you pray. You pray to God, Dad, Abba, because now I have gone and taken care of everything and the veil is rent and you got a new relationship and this God that yes is in an unapproachable light yes this God that has millions of angels around the throne and fire and flashes of lightning and all of these things that could kill you dead in a moment's time yet he's invited you now through the blood of Jesus and the atonement to come before him and to know him as Abba to crawl up in his lap and to say, Daddy, Abba, I need you. And listen, the lack of intimacy, if you have a lack of intimacy, then, you, then, then here's where your prayers become, self-centered. A lack of intimacy, if you don't have intimacy with God, then you're going to have self-centered prayers. They're going to be all about you. Okay? And Jesus' prayer life was not all about him. It was about intimacy with God, with his Father. And I want to ask the question, is yours? He was, in, he was incredibly secure in his relationship with the Father. And if our relationship isn't secure with, with him, then we're not going to be. And so he says, Abba. He says, when you pray, church, then you pray like this, Father. And then he said, hallowed be thy name. And what he's saying is when I have a, an intimate relationship with him, all of a sudden I come out in life and I realize, God, like when we look around us at all the people at our work and they say, well, Jesus. They use his name as a curse word or whatever. And, and something inside of us aches and we begin to say, Dad. Hallowed be your name. When will they hallow your name? When will the people on this earth that are rejecting their own salvation, they don't even believe in you. When, God, when will they hallow you? When will they, when will they begin to esteem you and esteem your name? He's saying that's what begins to happen. It begins to sh shape your focus towards them. And if we read the book, if we read the Bible, when is his name going to be hallowed? In the end, right? And that leads us into the next point of our prayer. Oh God, Father, hallowed be your name. Oh yeah, your kingdom come. 
Because when your kingdom fully comes, your name will be hallowed. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So Lord, hallow your name and let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come down to this earth now because I can't stand what's going on in this place any longer. And then he says, we move into something personal. Give me this day our daily bread. See, none of you prayed that this morning. Because you went to the refrigerator. Right? Nobody in this room had to get down on their knees and say, Dear God, please give me bread today. But do you understand tomorrow you could lose your ability to swallow? Do you know that's how, how, do you know he's humbling us here and wants us to realize that tomorrow you, 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 this could all be taken away and that we, can, we need him? We need this father of ours. We need to come him to come each day and give us each day our food. He, he needs to give us our provision. We recognize our mortality. We recognize it's you. All good things come from you. And, and, and I'm not really in charge. He's in charge. And then he says, forgive us our sins as we all for, so forgive everyone who sins against us. Or another translation, how many pray it like this? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That sounds like it contradicts each other, doesn't it? But do you understand that your sin is a debt? No, do you understand that your sin is a debt? Listen, listen. You're, you're, look at what Romans 2.4 says. Or do, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Do you understand him being nice to the, to the world out here? Or do you, when you're in sin, doing things over and over and over again, do you know what that's about? That's about leading you to repentance. He wants you to come to know him. He loves you that much. He cares about you that much. But, 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 but look at what it goes on to say. Or do uh, uh, go back. Five. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself, debt for yourself on the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. How many remember the 80s? Best generation ever, man, to grow up in. Come on, man. They gave these little things when I was in college for the first time to everybody called a credit card. And I got one in the mail. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Because I could go in the store and say, I want that, and I want that, and I want that. And I'd hand them the card, and they'd hand it back, and they'd hand them the card, and they'd hand it back. And I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) 
until they say, sir, you can't put any more on this. I say, no problem. I got another one. (laughs) And it was wonderful till one day I got something I didn't like in the mail. And it was called a bill. And I was like, uh-oh. If I were to pay this minimum balance from now, I'll be about 110 when I get $2,000 paid off. And that's exactly what God, some of you think you're getting away with sin. I'll sleep with her tonight. And God didn't strike me dead. And I'll drink that tonight. And I'll smoke that. And I'll lie on that. And I'll gossip and I'll trick and I'll deceive on that. Do you not know that a bill is coming due one day? And God's patience should be leading you to repentance. But some of you it's not. Because you don't think you're going to pay for all the things you're doing. And America really thinks they're getting away with murder right now. But they are not getting. All the babies we've aborted. All the gender confusion. All the wicked things that we're doing. I can do that. I can have that. I can buy that. I can buy that. And God says do you not know. It's my kindness that's letting this go. But there is a payday someday. You're storing up wrath. The debt's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day you're going to stand before the throne. And you're going to give an account for everything done in the body. And those who are wise enough will say, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And then he lastly says, and lead us not into temptation. And that literally means cause us not to succumb to our temptation. It's not this. See, I've thought this all my Christian life. I heard Francis Chan say this. I won't say him because I'm not going to say it. My wife's sitting right there. He said, I'm attracted to women. And he said, you don't usually hear a preacher say that. And he said, I've got a suspicion that when I'm 90 years old, I will still be attracted to women. And he said, I don't see anywhere in this book where it says, pray that I will no longer, God help me to no longer be attracted to women. Take away the desire and where I wake up tomorrow and I'm going like, ugh, y'all are ugly. That's not what this passage of scripture is saying here. And lead us not into temptation. 
We're going to go into te- we're going to be tempted. But what he says he what he says here is God uh, make me strong enough that when the temptation comes that I don't succumb to it. Lord, when a, when when a, when an attractive woman comes by and she's wearing clothes that I should that are too revealing, God, that I don't look. Give me the strength to look the other way. God, give me the strength that I don't give in to lust. That I don't give in to temptation. God, that when when alcohol comes across or drugs come across or I'm tempted to lie at work or I'm tempted to cheat on my taxes. God, don't let me be led into temptation. Make me strong enough. Give me the strength. My temptation is always going to be there. Right? We're going to be tempted at things. The enemy's out there. Our our flesh is out there. And Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he doesn't say, God, make it so that nothing on earth ever tempts me. Wouldn't that be nice? That's called heaven. But he says right here, this is how you pray. You pray, God, give me the strength so I don't yield or succumb to this temptation. So, Father, Dad, God, let your name be glorified. Oh, God, let your name be hallowed. How long? God, let your kingdom come now. On earth as it is in heaven. God, help me to always know that I'm so dependent upon you, God, for everything. And Lord, don't let me go into temptation, but deliver me from evil, God. And, and what that is like is, it's, it's like this. It's like when, um, it's, it's, it's like you, you, you have something, and all of a sudden you look over and you go, wow, that's better than this. How many remember the day sin was fun for a time and then all of a sudden you got mucked and mired down in it and it ruined your life and you looked at it and you saw, this is pretty disgusting. And then you look at God and you go, that's better. So you do a 180, you trade this for that. It's the same thing that some of us did with our wives. Some of us were marrying other girls at the time. I'm not marrying, we were dating other people at the time. And you go, caught an eye of that one and said, man, that's a better model. I'm trading for this than from that, right? that doesn't even compare right and that's the same thing we do with sin and God we trade it because it pales into comparison to what what we have here does your prayer life look like that see here's the thing we've got to have an accurate view of God and I think many of us I know for my life I've struggled with that that accurate view of calling him dad. Uh, I was listening to a preacher and he said that his life, and I agree with this, that his prayer life changed whenever he began to see God. Because he said he was working with his father-in-law one day and he said, man, I've noticed you have so much joy and I saw a turning point in your life. And he said, I just want to know how and when that happened. And he said, when I was, he said, I can tell you exactly when it happened. He said, when my little girl, God gave me a little girl and she was about two years old. And he said, I began to realize this relationship that I was having with this two-year-old. And he said, uh, it, it, it changed my life because he said, I began to realize. He said, the view of God that I had was that every time I messed up, that God was disappointed. Every time that, 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 that something went wrong, that, that I had let him down and, and, and just uh, he was disgusted with me or whatever. And he said, I looked down at my little girl and this two-year-old. And he said, I began to look at her and think, I, there's nothing 
nothing she can do. There is nothing, absolutely nothing she could do that would cause me not to love her. It's, I, I mean, when he looked at her, he just fell in love with that little girl. He said, I, I didn't even have to see her. I could just look at a picture of her and, and, and my heart would just be overwhelmed. And he said, for the first time, I realized that's how God looks at us. And he said, I realize that. And he said, it brought such joy. And it was a turning point because it brought joy into his life. And so we want to have an accurate picture of God when we come into the, 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 the prayer closet. Like he is my father and he loves his child. Let's go down on into Luke 11 for a few more minutes because we looked at how Jesus says to pray. But, but there's an accurate view that it continues to to, to unfold here that helps us. Uh, we pray because of who God is. He's our dad. He's our, fa- he's our friend here. It's going to reveal. And, and when you discover that he is our dad and he is our friend and he's chosen to allow us to do that through the blood of Jesus Christ, that it, it changes how your prayer life uh, uh, goes. Look at Luke uh, 5 and let's go through verse 9. Look at what it says. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And go, so he's going he's to give an analogy of, of God as your friend, okay? Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Look at what he says. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. So it's like this guy, all of a sudden, he comes to his house. It'd be like me coming to your house tonight. And banging on your door at midnight. I mean, like you went to bed at 10, 9, 10 o'clock, everything shut down. You're wore out, and now you're in bed sleeping. And all of a sudden, you hear this, hey, get up. It's Brad. You think I'm crazy. I need some bread. That's what's going on here. Look at what it goes on to say. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. I'm sleeping, man. Can the bread not wait till tomorrow? Are you nuts? The door is already locked and my children have gone to bed. I can't give up and give you anything. Even though I'm his friend, I'm not getting up. The children are in bed. Go away. Come back tomorrow, man. Gabe, get out of here. You're crazy. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give anything because he's a friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, And some of you have such a warped view of God, you won't go ask Him for anything. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Eventually, this man, this friend, comes down to get you off his back. Kind of like the persistent widow, right? Just go give him what he needs so I can go back to sleep. I'm tired. And my kids are going to wake up. Get, take some bread. Take several loaves of bread and get out of here. Right? I'll talk to you later. And, and he's saying, if you would do that for a friend, what do you think God would do to you for you if you ask him? 
No, you would go to a friend at midnight when you need something desperately and you'll go to that friend and ask him and because of your boldness, he'll come and give it. But you won't go to God and ask. How do you view God? Is friend one of the terms that comes to mind when you think of God? Is dad? So I say to you, ask and it will be given. What keeps you from asking? Seek and you will find. You know, I used to be afraid to ask God for some things. You know why? Anybody ever afraid when you first got saved and you started reading in the Bible about the rich young ruler? And you started reading about the people that were to sell everything? Give away everything? And you start reading these things? I mean, I'm a realist, man. I'm reading this. And I'm thinking, if if I really go all in on this thing, he could make me give away my TV. He could make me sell my house. He could make me end up in Africa somewhere. Really, right? Has anybody ever thought that? So we don't trust him. So we don't go to him. Because if we go to him, he, he, that's the view we have of God. That I may ask him for something. And, and that's what he goes down here and begins in a minute. You're going to see. And he's going to compare himself to a father. He's compared himself to a friend already. And said, if you had a friend, he would get up at midnight and give you three loaves of bread. Why would you not come and ask and seek me? I'm like a friend. And then he says, seek. Uh, It's the idea of a relationship of seeking his face. Seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Look at what Acts 17 says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations and the boundaries of are all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this. Why? Why? Cheat. Cheat. It's an open book test. So we will seek him. Seek me. He did this so that we would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Though He is not far from any one of us. Why did God create you? To seek Him. On some small chance, he would put you at the right place where he knew where he was going. He drew the boundaries. He knew the nations. And for some reason, he chose Alabama to put you inside of. And all in the hopes, not that you would be a Crimson Tide fan or a War Eagle fan or whatever else you do. But the fact that most of all, you would seek him. And it's available to everyone. God wants a relationship with every one of us. That's why he went to the cross. 
That's why he was willing to take the punishment for mankind so that the door would be open and he would have his arms stretched out wide and say, anyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's why he did that. That was the whole point of him dying on the cross. And then he says, knock and the door. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. I already paid the way. You shouldn't even second guess it. And he says, I want to open my life to you. So knock and the door will be open. I want to begin a relationship with you not to Tomorrow, today. And so do you believe that God is a friend? He gives us the friend analogy. And then number two, in a minute I'm closing. All you that cancel, uh, count my closings. He's a father. He gives the analogy of the father in this same passage. Read not just one scripture that they pass around on the internet. Read the whole chapter. They're so rich what he's telling us. This story right here of this whole story about prayer. It's not just the Our Father. He's now, he's now giving you the story so you can break it out and it come alive. He's a friend. He's like a friend. So why are you not asking him? Why are you not getting up tomorrow, Brad, and praying? You don't trust me? A friend. If you had an evil friend, he would come and give you bread when you needed something. Ask. Seek. Knock and the door will be open to you. And then he switches it over to the analogy of a father. And I hope our view changes and this week our prayer life becomes so good. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil. Good news. See, I didn't call you evil. God did. <laughs> if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Once again, another analogy. Are you kidding me if I ask my dad back there for a fish and he brings me a rattlesnake? Here, eat this. Right? Is he going to give me something to kill me? He never gave me anything in my entire life that would make me think that he wanted to kill me. He's saying, you, you think I'm different from that? I'm, you, he's, uh, no offense to my dad, but he's like me. He's a sinner that needed salvation. He was evil. I'm evil. We got, we got a sin nature that did evil things and carnal things. And if we, being those type people, know how to do good things for each other, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things if you ask for them? And he's saying, so why are some of you so afraid that God will give you something bad? Why are you afraid, Brad, to grow in a relationship with me and to ask me for, to use your life? You're so terrified that if you ask for something that I'm going to send you to Africa or somewhere you don't want to go. And you think that you ask for a fish and I'm going to stick a snake up in your face. Right? Are you kidding me, Brad? Your view of me is warped. You think I'm going to give you bad things? And so God is saying, don't you trust me as your father? Don't you trust me? Don't you trust that I have your best interest? Don't you trust that I love you? Don't you trust that if you, if I, if you come to me and ask me for what you need, I will give you uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, which is talking about spiritual things. 
I'll give you what you need spiritually. Now, maybe, uh, maybe not everything you ask, because let's do it like this. How many of you fathers or mothers, if your child asked for candy, would give them vegetables instead? No. Same with God. God, I want this. Get me out of this job. It's an H-hole, right? They're mean. They're terrible. All this or whatever it's going through. My kids are, God, do this, do this, do that. No. Chew on this instead. It's good for you. Just hold your nose and swallow it. Broccoli may not taste good, but it's good for you. Right? And so there are times you, you come to God and you ask and say, I want this. And he says, no, I have to give you this instead. But trust me, it's good for you. I would never hurt you. I would never harm you. It's good. Look at John. Uh, I'm not going to throw you some snake and ruin your life, Brad. I'm not going to hurt you, John, if you come to me and ask me. I'm not going to throw something at you. That's I'm a father. I'm a good father to you. And a lot of us have that warped image of God. And that's why we don't go to God in prayer. And that's why we don't ask him for things that we need to ask. And I'm going to say, change your view of God. I hope after today where you begin to seek him as a friend, you seek him as a father who loves loves you and who says I'm your dad look at John 15 and it says this in verse 13 no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I heard from my father He says, you're not, you don't trust me? You're not going to find any greater love than this. Jesus said, you want a better friend than me? Then find somebody else that's going to lay down their life for you. Find somebody else that's going to die for you. Find somebody else that's going to go to the cross of Calvary for you. You won't find a better friend than Jesus Christ. Amen? He says, I died for you, and I don't call you slaves anymore. And that's amazing for a God to no longer call us peons a slave anymore. A slave doesn't have a relationship. No, they don't. They whip the back and say, get out there and do more. But you have a relationship with me. I don't do that to you. You are my friends. You are my family. You, you, uh, you, I'm your Abba. And, and, and I call you friends because I tell you my business. I'm not interested in just this Lord-servant relationship. You're more than that to me. You are a friend. And I've told you that I've shared my heart and exposed my heart to you so that you might seek me and want a relationship with me God says and so today maybe you're here and some of you have strayed maybe some of you have strayed away from God and you're wondering can I get back to him and I want to say absolutely you can I want to say absolutely read the story of the prodigal who squandered everything Everything on wine, women, and song. And he's going, man, in that pig pen. Can I get back to my dad? Would he have me? 
do you think he would have me? And some of you might be wondering about, about God this morning. Would, it, would he really look at me? I'm in a pig's pen, for God's sake. I'm eating the husk. I'm a, I'm a Jewish boy doing what Jewish boys are forbidden to do in the law. This is absolutely disgusting. Uh, why would I go back? Maybe if I go back, I'll beg him to be a servant. I can't call him friend. I can't call him dad. Maybe I'll go back home and, and I'll be a servant. So what did he do? Hey, that's better than nothing. So he gets up. He begins to go back home. And what does he find? A stern looking dad like this? No, he finds a God with open arms. <laughs> Running. A run to the Father. Right? Find that song maybe. Matt Moore. He finds a God with open arms. He says, whatever you've done, no matter what you've no matter what you've done. You're my son, you're my daughter. Today you can start a relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with God today, I encourage you to do that. This thing's called the altar. We call it the altar down here. It's just a place to come. Give your life to God. And the question is, is God your friend? Is God your dad? Because that's who that's who he reveals himself all through here. And he said, why do you not have an accurate view of me? Lord, teach me to pray. Dad, hallowed be your name. The kingdom come now. Your will be done. Earth as it is in heaven. God, I need you every day to make it. And God, forgive me my trespasses because my debt is so great. If it were left to me, I'm going to hell. Would you please pay my debt? Would you please? I want what you did on the cross for me. I received that payment, God, in full. I'm not relying on my own merit or my good. I'm receiving what Jesus has done for me. And leave me not into temptation, God. This world's so hard. I get tempted every day. And I've prayed for it to go away. And it's not going to go away on this side of eternity, per se. But God, would you give me the grace so that I don't succumb to it. I don't want to lust. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to steal. I don't want to give in to the temptation that's coming my way, God. Help me to find the strength. So, Father, speak to us. We're going to play one song, God, and I just pray more than anything, God, I don't have to see an altar call. All I really want is for men and women's heart in this room to be transformed so that they become people who go home this week and seek and ask and knock and seek and ask and knock. Lord, that they don't just go to the psychiatrist or to the, 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 this person or that person or run other places to find answers or go to a friend even at midnight. That's a great thing. But God, I pray the first place they'll run to is realize they have a father who's waiting to hear a friend who wants to give them things that they need and if we'll just come to him. And so, Lord, we're coming to you, God, and we're asking, God, for you uh, to help us in, in our prayer life, God. And, Lord, help us to be people of prayer. Hallelujah. This altar is open. If you need anything from God, maybe you want to come down and just focus some prayers up to God and say, God, I recognize you. You're, you're a, you're a, you're, my view is wrong. You do want to help my family, and I'm coming to you, and I'm, I'm shooting a prayer right up to you, a uh, focused prayer in this matter or that matter. I don't know. Whatever you need, this altar is open or just where you're at. But let's worship the Lord. This song's a great song. It's one of my favorites. Let's worship him, and then we'll dismiss.